I'm Sonic Boom, and you are listening to Six Pack. I've got time for one more round and a six pack to go. Welcome back to Six Pack, a podcast in which a couple of old drinking buddies share some favourite tunes and a six pack of beer. We'll randomly choose a year, spin six tunes and down six beers. I'm Gareth and I'm joined by my spaced out friend, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan, is that a little clue to our guest today? A little bit, a little bit and maybe the beer as well. Oh yeah. This episode we'll be playing music from the year 1965. We've done it before. We can do it again. Great year. What about the beer? What about this beer? So what is this? Now, Bintani have given us Meiku. It's a hemp session ale. Hemp. Hemp. And let me read you this, Gareth. In ancient Asian mythology, Meiku is the goddess of hemp. Okay. A legendary immortal transcendent associated with the elixir of life. Our signature hemp session ale is a gift from nature delivered through a fusion of hemp and hops, hand-grown and masterfully brewed with skill and passion in the Yarra Valley. There you go. Yeah, that's proper hippie. Let's have a taste of it. Have a sip of that. I thought it was going to be, like, really Woo. fruity. Uh, you ever been to San Francisco where all the beers taste like marijuana anyway? <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, it's, but it's, um, it's a bit different, isn't it? What do you make of that one? Definitely different. It's not unpleasant. It's um, it's it's a new taste. Yeah, that's that's uh, interesting. Yeah. I say that was given to us by mm. Bintani. Make Bintani your partner in taste and quality. Mm. Thanks again, Bintani. Yeah, they're getting us high. Thanks, Bintani. <laughs> so, <laughs> quite apt for sixty-five, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've got a guest. We do. I'm excited by this one. And when you said spaced out, mm. I thought you were referring to the one of the bands wow. he was in. So who is it? It's Ooh, special guest drinking buddy. It is Sonic Boom from Spaceman Three, Spectrum, EAR, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Amazing. Rugby's finest. Rugby's finest. We talked yeah. to him a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, we talked to him about his favourite tune from 1965. And can I just say, it is such a cracking it tune. It is a good one. Is it? I, I would almost say, Gareth, I think it's the best tune a guest has picked. Mm, big call. Yeah, I, think so, it, I think it is. So we'll um, we'll keep downing these hemp beers. Yeah. And we'll uh, get on to um, Sonic Boom a bit later on. Yep. So who's up first today? I've got a great one to uh, kick us off, Gareth, and I really wanted to play this one when we did 65 before. And can I just say, I thought when I teed up my songs for um, 65, I thought I've got um, all females for this one. Okay. I was like, I've got um, three sets of females. And then I was doing my research and one of them is not female. It's a um, it's a guy singing in falsetto, which oh. I, I always thought it was female. But we'll get to that a bit later. But I'm going to kick us off with this one. Yeah, number one. Baby, I'm yours And I'll be yours Until the stars fall from the sky Yours, and I'll be yours 
So did you know that one, Gareth? No, it's very tasty though. I like it. It's good, isn't it? So um, the artist is called Barbara Lewis and the song is called Baby, I'm Yours. And that's a man singing a falsetto. <laughs> and that's a, Barbara was a man, a gentleman from, um, uh, he was from uh, Salem, Michigan. No, of course, it's um, a female. And um, she was a bit of a one-hit wonder, I guess. And she's still alive, still living in Salem, Michigan. Yeah. Um, quite a few people covered that. They, a few, few country people covered it. Yeah, I thought that was a good one to kick off with. Mm, I like it. So 65. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about 65, the big we things have. that happened before. Yeah. So yeah. obviously Vietnam was happening. Yeah. Churchill died. Yeah. The space race was dying, all those kind of things. So we don't need to reiterate that again, no. I would suggest. Yeah. The series Batman started. Oh, Adam West. And that was inspired, apparently, yeah. by a party that Hugh Hefner had oh, in God, his house. You're joking. He had a Batman-themed party, and I think the executives from where, whichever, CBS or yeah, whoever yeah, were yeah, there, yeah. and that inspired them to that, take the campness of the Hugh all, Hefner they Playboy. They were all at the Playboy Mansion, weren't they? Mm, that so that's, about that's, right. how, that's how it started, apparently. Just a bit bonkers. Okay, so I'm going to play you this next band. Yeah. Incredibly famous band. Yeah. You know, the second most famous band ever. Okay. This was off their albums. It's an album track, not a single. I had to hitchhike round the world. Hitchhike, hitchhike, hitchhike. 
Rolling Stones. Yeah, so that was crazy, Gareth. When uh, as soon as you played that, I said to you, "That's sounds like the Velvet Underground." Yeah, that's what I thought the first time I heard it as well. It's like what, dang, 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 dang. I'll just play a little bit, a snippet of that for a second. Yeah. There yeah. she goes again. So that's from uh, the Velvet Underground's debut record, Hitchhike. That's actually a cover of a Marvin Gaye song that came out a couple of years before it. Never heard that um, Stone song before. What album was that? On? Uh, well, I think back then they had different albums in different, different territories countries. and things. So yeah, that's okay. out on Spotify. It's on the album Out of Our Heads. I used to have a poster of that. I bought a poster of that one out of it's our funny, heads. Is it? That's yeah. the one that's got like Keith Richards right up front. Yes, like he's yeah. the front person in it, and Jagger's right at the back of it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Satisfaction's on that record as yeah. well. Yeah, and, and I think as we mentioned in the previous sixty-five, on that was the biggest song. It of, was, yeah. yeah. I'm reading the Keith Richards book. Yeah, at the moment, okay. And, uh, it talks about then that the, how he had a cassette recorder next to his bed. Yeah. And he woke up with a riff of he dreamt the riff of satisfaction, recorded it into his recorder, then went back to bed again. You're listening to the audio book of that. Yeah, Is it? Yeah. It's narrated by Keith Richards. No, it's no, not. No, no, no. no. It's, not. Well, it's weird because some of it's by Johnny yeah. Depp. Oh, and some, and then yeah. halfway through it changes to someone else. It's yeah. not, it's not yeah. the best narration. I've John, heard, so. Johnny Depp had got into some sort of trouble. Of uh, he probably, yeah. got, he probably got a, a gig or something. Well, yeah, good one. I mm. like that one. Cool. And the Rolling Stones that year um, got fined five oh, yeah. pounds. Yeah, for urinating in the street. Imagine that. Well, when you got to go, you got to go, don't you? But why bother finding them five pounds? And what would five pounds be? So that would be like maybe 500 bucks or 500 pounds? Not even that? 20? Yeah, right. Um, Shall I give us a quick fact from 65? Go on. You ever heard this one, Gareth? You would know the book Lord of the Flies. Mm -hmm. So, So in 1965, a bunch of Tongan kids went on a boat. They stole a boat. And they got stranded on an island for 15 months, a bunch wow. of teenage kids. Did they start getting all uh, well, tribal? Yes. They, they called it the real uh, life Lord of the Flies. They built a commune with a garden. They had a, they had a fire, a gym, a badminton court. And, <laughs> and they actually got rescued 15 months later. Wow. And I've seen interviews with them, you know, 30 years later and they're adults and um, a bunch of teenage boys got stuck on an island for 15 months. Wow. Can you imagine that? How insane is that? They must have stunk. 
God, they, God, they, were, they would have been going, God, why don't we have some teenage girls here? Oh, you know, a bit, bit yeah. cruel, isn't it? Mm. And I don't remember badminton in Lord of the Flies either. Well, yeah. Um, another fact, bananas yeah. became extinct in 1965. <laughs> okay. I've got the monthly laugh, but you'll, you'll have to tell us about that one. So the bananas we eat these yeah. days didn't exist in 65. The, the old bananas died of, uh, they were died out of some fungus and we actually now eat a new, brand new strain of banana. Where, where, where are you getting? I'm not trusting that website. You're getting that. I reckon bananas have been bananas for a long no, time. No, no, they're, they're different bananas. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Anyway, all right, my turn for a tune. Like I was saying, I'm going all female this episode, or so I thought. This one is a really cool one. It's just a great '60s tune. It's not Motown, but it's in a similar vein. It was on the Good Morning Vietnam soundtrack. That's mm-hmm. where I've. First would have heard it. Debbie Harry actually did a cover of it, like in the early 80s or whatever. There's great footage of this track. Um, You know, obviously, you know, um, the TV show Gilligan's Island. I kind of, yeah. Um, it's bigger here than... Oh, do you, you're not familiar with that? I know about it, but yeah, it, wasn't, right. it wasn't as big as... Uh, uh, okay, so someone has... If you Google this track, someone's put um, Ginger, Marianne and Mrs. Howell... Um, doing their 60s dances to this song. Right. On YouTube or something. On YouTube. Okay, all right. Have a listen to this. Yeah, number three. Song three. a bit that clip with the Gilligan's Island thing and yeah. I, honestly I don't, I've never seen Gilligan's Island so I was trying to show you Ginger and Marianne and Mrs Howe but Gareth didn't understand it no um, <laughs> there we go let's move on <laughs> funny I was telling you I thought I was playing three songs you know done by females and I thought you know when I played that Castaways Lie Alliance song I thought I'd better just Google them and read up about them well that was a woman no <laughs> Gareth that was not a woman what yeah <laughs> that, that, was that? That, that was a dude singing in what? falsetto. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's quite That's amazing, That's isn't hilarious. it? That's hilarious. Yeah. 
So these four new words were yeah. put in the dictionary for the first time, or phrases. Yeah. Doop. Yeah. Which seems too late. Yeah, it's way too late. Doop yeah. would have been over by that's right. 65. Yeah, Maybe it. that's why it ended up in the dictionary. Yep. Yeah. Um, hippie, which kind of makes that sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Soft rock. Not referring to music. Yeah, yeah. Really? And grunge. The term grunge was put in the dictionary for the first time. What was the context of grunge in 1965? It wouldn't have been music from Seattle. No, of course not. That's a really interesting one. I'm trying to think what it would have been. Grungy, dirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. um, I just thought it was funny that grunge and soft rock were put in the dictionary at the same time. Yeah. Uh, And also, I mean, words take on different meanings, don't they? Mm. Like in, you know, 65, grunge would have had a very different meaning to 75, 85, and mm. 95, wouldn't mm. it? Yeah. Mm. There you go. So now it's time to go to have a chat with yeah. rugby's finest. Yeah. Uh, in Portugal, actually. So he's living in Portugal these days. We caught up with him. Um, let's go and check in on Sonic Boom. Hello. Hello. Morning. Yeah, cool. Thanks for chatting to us, by the way. Yeah, pleasure. The first time I heard of anything that you've done was when a mate of mine got thrown out of a pub for wearing a T-shirt that said, For all the fucked up children in the world, we give you Space Man 3. He had that T-shirt. He got thrown out of a pub in Reading, right? And I was like, oh, Space Man 3, what's this all about? So (laughs) that was my introduction. What what year was that, Gareth? Oh, it would have been like 88 or something like that, I reckon. And um, he was cooler than me. He'd been to see you play in Reading. That T-shirt was like the third best-selling T-shirt in the festival or something. It was like up there with New Order's T-shirt sales. Yeah. I know you've done plenty more stuff than Spaceman 3 since then, but that was my first dipping my toe into the stuff that you'd done. Yeah, it was a trip to be in that band. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that I, I know about Spaceman 3, of course, is like, so there's three big famous things about rugby – one of the, the school where rugby came from. The second is Spaceman 3. And the third is Ryan's dad comes from rugby. So that's the... That's <laughs> my dad is from rugby and we actually lived there in the early 80s. When yeah. Spaceman 3 were around, but on a very uh, gutter punk sort of level. I thought you were going to say lasers or holograms or the jet engine. <laughs> My dad told me about the jet engine. The, the hologram was invented then, the laser, I believe. And there's still quite a lot of those. Rugby was very much one of those places where there are a lot of sheds with boffins in them, sort of making weird stuff. I mean, the jet engine was pretty much done in sheds initially. But, yeah, it was, a, it was always a freaky place, rugby. It always had something... Has has something about it that town? I don't know what it is. It, it's uh, it's not my favourite place in the world, but um, uh, it, it always had a, <laughs> a vibe <laughs> of some sort. Went back there in the nineties and stuff. There was a pretty heavy drug culture there, definitely, wasn't there? Yeah, drugby. Yes. Yeah, that's the nickname it had, drugby. Yeah. Yeah, there was, but I think that was you know. In uh, Europe at that time, there was a massive heroin epidemic. I mean, before the cocaine epidemic we have now, I mean, that, that was massive. And so many, all my friends are the same sort of age as me. If they weren't junkies, all their friends were. Send Margaret Thatcher a thank you letter, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the music you made, I guess, could be is of the psychedelic nature and the acid and kind of it comes from that kind of 
you know, music to take drugs to and all that sort of something. Mean, we were rooted in that. We were, we were very much part of that. I mean, I think, I, I feel Spaceman 3 were peripheral to everything always. And uh, that was probably the same with the drug scene. But uh, we were definitely uh, a bunch of drug-taking dudes. That's, that, that, that cannot be denied. And what were you listening to in the uh, sort of early 80s, late 70s when you were sort of growing up? Things music? like... The Saints. Radio oh, really? Radio. Yeah, I love some Australian stuff. The Velvet Underground. You know, I guess the sort of the uh, pre-punk classics. I mean, all the band were kids who were into punk anyway. But we really got into the whole Stooges, MC5, heavy but minimal thing. And the Gun Club would be another band, the Cramps. And they were all, all bands that really we sort of... We took we took a little bit of all of those bands, I feel, and yeah, No Time by the Saints. What a fucking record that one! Yeah. It's amazing to think that that came out of Brisbane and that was playing over the other side of the world. Yeah, I think the Saints, if I'm not mistaken, as, as is often as is common with bands like the Scientists and all these dudes, they usually move to London. They would they'd give it a crack in London and they'd like sleep on someone's floor for three months yeah. and then come back broke. For sure. Scientists was another band that we really loved as yeah, well. Yeah, Kim Salmon. We, we did some shows with those guys actually in like 86 or something like that. Oh, right. Yeah, they were pretty much on the, they were pretty threadbare at that point. They were. I think a few Aussie bands have uh, gone over there and gone, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah. And then, I mean, yeah. Kim but, Salmon's uh, still going over here. He's got yeah, he still plays there. around. Those are cool dudes. So you've got that sort of fuzzed out kind of velvets and uh, that noisy kind of you know, swampy stuff going on, but you've also got this sort of synth influence of, I guess, suicide and uh, some of that other craft work and, you know, silver apples and those kind of things going on as well, which is kind of interesting blend really. And I think it sort of paved the way for some of those other sort of more synth led bands like Stereo Lab and uh, Broadcast and that sort of thing. That's probably true. Although I think the way Stereo Lab used electronics in their stuff, but I think they were, you know, I think there was a mutual admiration going on with those guys. I mean, they came a little bit later than Spaceman 3, but I always mm. loved Stereo Lab. Mm. I played them. Just an awesome band to play with. Really, really nice music to play. We were super into the whole uh, fuzz, electronics, anything really that we felt could deliver the sort of mood that we were trying to get into the music. And I guess all influences are always retro because it had to have come before you. But um, we never really wanted to be a retro band we were always trying to contextualize ourselves within a a wide range of things and we didn't want to be a craft work electronic band and we didn't want to be a little bit underground but we thought maybe we could be a little bit of all of those things and, and a little bit of ourselves and and uh, that's kind of i guess what the mix was that we tried to, to try to do
I guess beyond the spaceman years, you kind of went with Spectrum and you know the EAR stuff, kind of maybe a little bit more synthy. Do you think? Yeah, more electronics. Not always synths, but electronics for sure. Yeah. Sometimes I would use uh, effects to create sand stuff to use in the tracks. But uh, yeah, it, it did. I you know and keyboards in general. And then eventually with Spectrum, the Forever Alien album, there's there's almost no guitars on it. It's almost all electronic. Um, although I'm not sure it really sounds that different to some of the guitar records. It's meant to have a very similar sort of uh, bulk to it. But um, yeah, I, I don't like to do the same thing twice, really. I like it to be an evolution, but I like it all to be, I like it to sound like it came from the same place. like that for me if I if I had had to have gone the last 30 years uh, 30 something years doing just Spaceman 3 or my own music Spectrum or, or Sonic Boom I would blow my brains out I, I do not care about myself or my own music enough to want to just be that the whole time to really enjoy it I have to get away from it and for me you know working with other people on their music is always uh a real joy and uh, it's, it's always been a big learning thing for me I, you know, and I always learn a lot from the way people work and the way they write songs and the way they think about music and it's it's just like a re total refresher because everyone everyone works in different ways people don't write songs in the same way in my experience and it's, it's kind of a joy to watch how different people got their moves down Hmm. Um, is yeah. there any band you've sort of particularly enjoyed recording or producing or all of them but it's a super different you know for me the bands some bands want more of you in it and you know it's it's my things i don't want to be playing on everyone's record but if, if i think there's something that can work and something that i can bring to it and some people, some people you just click with. I mean, Cheval Sombra, who's just had a couple of records out that I, I've done four records with him over the years. He's sort of getting some decent uh, recognition for what he does, which is pretty deep to me. You don't know who you
sometimes things just uh, have that sort of synchronicity where you both just really enjoy each other's work. It's a really nice process. I really enjoy it. One of the records I'm really fond of that you made is by Teen. That's yeah. a better song. It's like a cracker. I love that song. Yeah, it was like, it was like the hit that never was a hit, that, that song. such a cool song they, they had that song right from the get-go before i heard anything else they had something built up that they released on their first record and i think that was the case with teen then you've been doing your own um, sonic under the under the moniker sonic boom again recently so that's the record you made that came out last year that's right i knew it would be a kind of solo record even though I, the idea of doing solo record to me is it's just it happens to be it's just me on this record mm. i have no real uh, dreams of making solo records it's just the, just just the way it worked out Yeah, I did. Uh, I did. Yeah, it's really nice to to work on stuff in in this sort of environment. I live in a little mountain range outside Lisbon called Sintra, and it's uh, it's a sort of freak of nature. Really, it's a tiny little mountain range on the Atlantic coast, the most westerly point of of Europe. There's no perfect place in the world, and Portugal definitely isn't it. If it exists, it has all sorts of issues here but it's a stunningly beautiful country and it's very, very old-fashioned. And it's probably a better place to be than England at the moment, let's say. <laughs> uh, that wouldn't be hard, yeah. <laughs> We've just come up to the 20th anniversary of Delia Darbish's death. Oh, yeah. Ryan probably doesn't know Delia Darbish. No, no. She worked for the BBC Radiophonic Workshop and she was involved with creating Doctor Who theme, amongst other things. And I know that you um, worked with her on some of the, or you influenced or worked with her on some of the um, EAR, experimental audio research yeah. stuff. Is that right? Yeah. We did some, some very short piece, pieces together, a couple of very short pieces. One of them's mm. only a minute long. Yeah, I was very lucky in that when I was working on Forever Alien, the guy I was working with in the studio, Alf Hardy, brought in a radiophonic workshop record and said you know you're, you're, you like Doctor Who theme and, and uh, you'll, you'll really like this stuff and I did but it had sleeve notes on the back 
And it said that Dede Derbyshire was born and raised in Coventry, which is where we were making the album and where, where I, I'm from as well originally. So I thought, shit, let's see if she's in the phone book. And there was, I, I don't remember exactly, there was a D Derbyshire or something living just outside Coventry. Yeah, I called them up and said, uh, hello, I'm looking for Odelia Derbyshire. And the person who answered the phone said, oh, yes, um, she doesn't live in Coventry anymore. She lives in Northampton. And Odelia always told me that this story couldn't be true. <laughs> but I don't know how else I would have known to go looking for her in Northampton where I found her straight away in the phone book and called her up and started a friendship, which, yeah, we had a, we had a really nice friendship. And she taught me so much. She, I, I must have found her at the right time in her life. And she was, she was very happy to, uh, to impart information and teach me about it. Cause I was really, you know, learning about synthesis and modular synthesis and the intricacies and uh, being able to, to have total control over it really. And mm. she, she really taught me a lot of stuff about that because in her day, if you didn't understand all the, the theories of harmonics series and all these things, you had nothing because there was no synthesizers. You had to make it from bunches of test oscillators and stuff. So Amazing. Um, yeah, it was a trip. She's a, she's a very special person. I, I'm very, very happy to see her getting a lot of recognition now and films and plays and shows about women composers that feature yeah. her. People tell me she's part of the teaching syllabus now. It's it just like, you know, she was quite unrecognized in her life. Unfortunately, not totally, but a, a little too unrecognized. It's really heartening to see that happen. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. Should we talk a, a little bit about your pick from 1965? That was the year you were born, is that right? At least that's what my parents tell me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was. Uh, and, you know, I, I remember looking at some charts one time of what was number one when I was born. The charts in the UK wasn't a definite thing back then. There were different charts for different music papers and they, they hadn't quite figured out this sort of one chart situation. Uh, Get Off My Cloud by the Rolling Stones was was one of the songs that was number one on the day I was born. So the Rolling Stones one might have been my pick, but I listened to quite a lot of ska and Rocksteady and Bluebeat, and I find it quite inspiring for what I do musically and the, the vibe from that era had something really special about it. And the track I picked, there's just something about the, the sort of wellness that's projected by this song. I can be in a sad, sad mood and put that, that record on and everything feels okay. I can be in a great mood and everything feels even better. <laughs> uh, Let's have a listen and uh, you can reveal who it is afterwards. Soon you will find out the man 
That. What a great track. Now tell us who that was. It's Toots and the Meatles. Great choice. People may know Pressure Drop by him that The Clash uh, recorded as well. Um, yeah, we, we, we love that stuff. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that Jamaican era yeah. of Prince Buster and Scatolites and Toots yeah. and the Meatles and stuff. I love it. All those records were reissued when the specials were around the two-tone scene. I bought them up. I was, you know, I was super into all that stuff because I was from Coventry, 
Mm. That's where the specials were from Coventry, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. and they, they they were they were minor gods in that town. <laughs> was, uh, that was a phenomena. That that was one of the the phenomena, the youth phenomena that used to happen that we don't really see anymore. And it was it was kind of an awesome thing. I went to see the specials play on their first sort of big tour, and the, the last show was just before Christmas in Coventry. And the specials, the selector and the beat all had a top 10 single. I've never, ever been to a show where the bands and the support bands all had top 10 records. And they're all good bands. That wouldn't happen now. (laughs) You know, the specials, I mean, you know, those dudes used to explode on stage in the most awesome way. Mm -hmm. They were a phenomenon. Jerry Dammers and uh, what he did with the two-tone thing was just like a trip, really. So upbeat, not tempo and fun. It's uh, it's just awesome to, to be around. It's one of the few things that makes an old man like me dance around the house. I, <laughs> the English dudes are very lucky because we were surrounded by Jamaican dudes here who, yeah. who brought this music in. So it's a common thing for English dudes to be really into Scar <laughs> and really get Scar, which is pretty awesome because it's such a beautiful type of music. I mean, Jamaican music, to have that sort of inroad to it is, it's just, uh, I mean, it, it's it's it changed my life really. It enriched my life so much that uh, I, I find it hard to imagine what it would be like without it. Beautiful. So the next Sonic Boom record will be a Scar, Rocksteady record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the record that I've been working on with Panda Bear has. Um, I don't know if we go full Scar, but uh, we take a lot of. Uh, Leafs out of the book of Scar and also Do What, which I really like as well. The sort of vocal music from late 50s, early 60s of Dion, the Belmonts and stuff like that. I, I really, a lot of people think it's really corny and a little like goofy these days because I guess it's sort of, you know, it wasn't like the coolest thing. Lou Reed's first band was a Do What band, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Oh, now I take it all back. It was the coolest. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's next on the cards for um, for you, production or your uh, Sonic Boom stuff? I'm doing this this record, Panda Bear, that uh, will be coming out in the next six months or so. I hope. I look forward to hearing what you've come up with. It sounds exciting. Yeah, thank you. Excellent. Thanks for that. Yeah. Thanks yeah, so much. Thank you very much for having me on it. Wasn't it cool to speak to Pete Kember, a.k.a. Sonic Boom, Gareth, from Portugal? Very pleasant chat. That was really, yeah, really yeah. insightful and, yeah, really, really cool. So I'm on my second song now. Yep. And uh, we talked about him before, but we've not played him yet. Now, I've played yeah. The Stones already. Yeah. Now I'm going to play someone else. Massive. So okay. I think, because we've tried to shy away from it before, and I'm, yeah. this time I'm just going, fuck it, we're going to play the big ones. Okay. So... Here we go. This is actually off his bootleg stuff rather than the yeah. one that was on the album at the okay. time. It was recorded in 65. Beer number four. Song four. My love, she speaks like silence Above all ideals and violence She doesn't have to say she's faithful Yet she's true like ice, like fire People carry roses And make promises by the hours My love, she laughs like the flowers Valentine's can't buy her 
dime stores and bus stations People speak of situations Read books and repeat quotations Draw conclusions on the wall While some talk of the future My love, she talks softly She knows there's no success like failure And that failure's no success at all The cloak and dagger dangles Madams like the candles Ceremonies of the horsemen Even the pawns must hold a grudge Statues made of matchsticks Crumble into one another My love winks, she does not bother She knows too much to argue or to judge The bridge at midnight trembles The country doctor rambles Bankers' nieces seek perfection Expecting all the gifts that wise men bring The wind howls like a hammer The night blows cold and rainy My love, she's like a raven At my window with a broken wing So Gareth, that was uh, Bob Dylan. Now, I was thinking of playing a Bob Dylan one, and 1965, um, that was when Highway 61 came out. Yeah, which well, was and, when, and also this album, which is bringing it all back home. Did Look, that come out before Highway 61? They were both in 65. I can't remember which came first. Because so. well, yeah. Highway 61 was when he went electric. Right. So that must have been before. Right. But yeah. the, the version that's on the album version, because yeah. this is off the bootlegs, has drums and it's more of a bandy thing. It's not oh, okay. electric, but it's... Um, yeah, yeah. Because there was yeah. the big deal about when he went electric. Mm, you Judas. Know. Yeah, yeah. And he got the band and all, all, mm. all that sort of stuff. Great song. There you go. That song's called Love Minus Zero. Yeah. Do you know? I don't know the song, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But, um, Joan Baez did it, of course. Oh, okay. Lots of people, I think other people have come. Was he having a romantic uh, liaison with um, Joan Baez? I think so. Point? Well, she seemed to be doing most of his songs, so I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around about that time. It's over to me for a song. Yep. All I'm going to preface this with, Gareth, is this is a cracking tune. Have a listen to this.
first rescue me, Fontella Bass, Bass, Bass. Yeah, I guess I don't know how you say it. Fontella, it's Fontella Bass. Bass, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, R and B, American R and B star from from the sixties. Um, it sounds Motowny, but it's not Motown. It's not it? Motown. No. And Gareth, she was actually produced by Ike Turner. Oh yeah, and she jumped around. Then she went to Chess Records. I found a good quote from her. She said, I had the first million seller for Chess Records since mm. Chuck Berry about 10 years before. Things were riding high for them, but when it came to collect my first royalty check, I looked at it, saw how little it was, tore it up, and threw it back across the wow. desk. Wow. Okay. So, you know, record industry back then. Yeah. Well, everyone was getting ripped off back then, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, how's this? Mm. Isn't, that, isn't that a good yeah, tune? Yeah, it's excellent. Just thinking about playing some Motown, I think, as we said last time, it was the... The year that most yeah. Motown records came out. Yeah. Seems like they big hits. Each, each month there were lots coming out. I'll include this as my also ran. Yeah. This one was apparently written. Yeah. Recorded and released within 24 hours. Okay. Because of the success of another of their songs, they yeah. wanted to kind of take advantage of that and get something out very quickly. Tops. Yeah, well, same old song. The same old song, amazing. Incredible music. Apparently it's it? very similar to... And it's, yeah. Uh, which is a rearrangement of that. And they just literally Sugar say... Pie, oh, honey, honey, yeah. honey Bunch. Yeah, yeah, it's literally a rearrangement of that. Yeah. The same old song. That yeah. was, was the they they had a formula there that just worked amazingly. Amazing. Yeah. Um, another interesting um, one was this... Um, Eurovision Song Contest winner Ooh, from okay. 1965 yeah. from Luxembourg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty cool song. Chacun peut me voir Je suis partout à la fois Brisé en mille éclats de voix Autour de moi j'entends rire Les poupées de chiffon Celles qui dansent sur mes chansons Who's that? Poupée de cire, poupée de son. Don't know what that means. You, you, you'll have to tell me who that is, Gareth. I don't, uh, I'm not familiar with that one. Her name is France Gaulle, but it was written by... Oh, Serge, probably. Yeah, yeah it wow. Serge. So it's Luxembourg um, Eurovision yeah. winner. Let me guess, she was really attractive. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> really young, and he wrote uh, her songs? I don't know. He don't know. Another also ran. This sold millions of records.
Herb Albert. Do you want a brass? Who's that? Herb Albert. Yeah, no, you have to tell me about him. You don't know Herb Albert, do you want a brass? Really? Oh, God, those records sold millions. Yeah. So Herb Albert was a, was a trumpet player. Yeah. He set up this project, Tijuana Brass, which kind of initially was kind of this no, sort no, of... Nothing to do with Tijuana, obviously. Yeah, well, it's the, it's playing kind of Mexican-style music, yeah. and they do covers of different songs and in a kind of Tijuana style. Okay. Um, are they English, American? No, no, American. 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 Yeah. Um, and he went on to set up A&M Records. So he is the A of A&M. Oh, okay. Which were, they signed the Carpenters, the Police. They were a big record label in the yeah, 70s right. and 80s. Okay. Um, you don't know Herb Albert? No, we drink and we learn. <laughs> wow, we okay. drink and we learn. I'm a huge fan. So, all that kind yeah. of, uh, you'd know Spanish Flea and Two on a Taxi. Yeah, yeah I know Spanish Flea. Yeah, that's all, yeah. That's all that stuff. So okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this song, and it's quite apt for our current times, I'd suggest.
picked that one. That was Herman's Hermits. Herman's Hermits, yeah. It's a cover version of a song that came out in 62, I think, by Skeeter Davis. It's the end of the world. Yeah. Uh, Herman's Hermits, were they, they were teeny bopper kind of... Um, kind of. I mean, they're big hit. Were, 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 were they the handsome umbop of the day? I think they were, weren't they? <laughs> were they? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, on they, Henry VIII, I Am was their big hit. Yeah, they weren't taken seriously. They weren't the animals. They were more... No, they were for, they yeah. were for you know, 13-year-old girls or yeah. whatever. And uh, I think that ended up on a B-side. Good it's, song. It's been covered a bunch of times. Um, Sharon Van Etten did it recently. Okay. A few other people have done it as well. So yeah. yeah. Lee, so I quite like that. Yeah. Good song. Mm. So we've done 65 again. 65 again. We could probably do a 65 again next week as well. I've still got some more also around. I think any year from like 64 to about 73, I reckon we could do it about 10 times, don't you? Well, maybe we'll have to revisit it in future seasons. Yeah, yeah. Season 24. We'll you, be get, doing... you can't get rid of us, listeners. <laughs> we're, we're, we're never going away. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay, well, thanks to Sonic Boom Yeah. again for playing his tune. We loved it. Thanks to Bintani for the kind of wacky hemp beers. Yeah, Woo. yeah, yeah. We're um, we're going to be um, coming down from these for uh, for weeks. Your pupils, man, they're God, it's, God. it's been a real hemp <laughs> session ale. That's all I can say. Uh, and let's come back again next week and do another one. So yeah, we've got another guest lined up, which is very exciting. Yeah, we do. He, Gareth he describes himself as a lo-fi bedroom slacker, jangle pop musician, trying his best. Mm. And he's a youngster, so it makes a change to have a, a young lad uh, up and coming, and I'm really excited yeah. about this one. We spoke to him on the Appalachian Trails, and we need to figure out what year we're going to do, so tune into his brainwaves and get the random year generator out. Yeah, yeah, sure. 2001. 2001. Thank God we're not in the 50s. We've done too many of them, haven't we? Seems recent, but it's 20 years ago now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. how old we are. A mere 20 years ago. I love the 50s and 60s, as we all know, but let's do, uh, let's do 2001. Bang up to date. Let's do it. See you in 2001. See you then. I've got time for one more round and a six-pack to go. Six-pack. One six-pack to go.